This is Get a Real Job, the podcast devoted to people who choose risk over safe bets, who pursue their passion against all odds and are doing what they want, how they want, despite people and sometimes the voices in their own heads telling them they're nuts. When the field that I wanted to work in didn't exist, I created it. The only thing you have to decide is how hard you want to work. I really never went into the design of the restaurant of not succeeding. One way or another, I was going to succeed. I'm your host, Dan Bova, editorial director of entrepreneur.com. Thanks for listening. And now, get a real job. Entrepreneurs often describe running their businesses as a roller coaster ride, but for today's guests, it very literally is. Sisters Leah Cook and Lauren Cook Crosby are in charge of Holiday World in Santa Claus, Indiana. They are the fourth generation to run this family-owned business that began with their great-grandfather 75 years ago. Keep your hands and arms in the mixer at all times during this interview, and please welcome Leah and Lauren. How are you? Doing great. Yes, doing well. Absolutely. Very good. So if, uh, well, I'll, we'll get into the history of everything, but what is the, what's the, what's the ride that uh, has the longest line? What does everyone want to ride when they get to Holiday World? I think it's a three-way tie, I would guess, between all of our water coasters. We've got three of the top ranked water coasters in the world and uh, people love them. Wow. I, don't know, I might argue that it might also be the voyage. The Voyage is, uh, yeah, what, one of the number consistent. of top ranked. Yeah. Yeah. What's, uh, what's, on the, planet. what's the Voyage? What, what happens on the Voyage? What doesn't happen on the Voyage? <laughs> 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 um, let's see. I think it is 1.2 miles long. So um, it is actually, yeah, the longest wooden roller coaster with only one lift hill. Yep. Wow. Um, and it's, um, actually our, our father helped design the coaster and he was a coaster nerd himself. So he, uh, he packed it full of airtime and crazy overbanked turns before people were taking wooden coasters upside down. It was really, uh, wow. It was built in 2006 and still ahead of its time. So mm -hmm. you guys were born into this, uh, so roller coasters are, are in your blood, I guess, but was this always did you was this just a natural thing of course we're going to run the amusement park or did that uh did that kind of happen uh as you got um you know into the working world Lauren I'll let well, you start I, that one I say I think it's different for both of us so for me <laughs> no uh growing up I wanted absolutely nothing to do with the family business it was kind of something that just brought a lot of unwanted attention to myself growing up. And so I wanted to get far away from it. Mm. Um, and I went, I went off to the state of Florida for college, um, and did that. And my perspective on, on everything just completely changed. It was great getting out, you know, of Indiana and experiencing the world and not being attached to my family and made me realize that no, it is in my blood. I can't get rid of it. So <laughs> So when you're in yeah. Florida, do you like go to Disney World and be like, this stinks? You guys don't know what an amusement park is. No, I mean, I was actually just thinking about this the other day. Uh, we are huge Disney fans. Love it. I mean, how can you not? I mean, it's basically 
someone who is kind of at the top of the game. So it's almost like, you know, if you're an athlete, you watch other sports, you know, mm-hmm. you watch the films and stuff to critique and like help get strategy for your next game. And that's kind of like us going to Disney world. It's like, okay, well, they're doing that. So how can we take that and put that into our part? Oh, okay. Very cool. Mm-hmm. We're, we're so, big admirers. Yeah. So Leah, <laughs> yeah. Were, were you, were you more uh game for a life in the amusement park? I think, uh, yeah, in our family, we also have a younger brother who, who kind of does his own thing. Um, I was always kind of the one that was the most interested by far. I was the one who, um, we both started working at the park when it was legally allowed when we were 14. Okay. Uh, I think most people <laughs> in family businesses know what that's like. Right. Um, but I swapped departments a lot because I knew I wanted to kind of gain that experience. Um, I didn't want to just be really good at one field in the park. I wanted to be kind of a generalist and hop around and know a little bit of everything. So, um, my heart has been in every department of this park. And, uh, yeah, I think we knew from the time I started working here, that I would be back at some point. Right. So growing up, I assume, uh, you guys had a a couple of birthday parties there. I would guess. (laughs) (laughs) A few, yes. Yeah. Probably not as many as you would think, though, to be honest. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Interesting. We, we were so, not allowed to treat it like our playground. Oh, okay. No. Got it. Got it. So you, you don't get a family, you, you don't have a family pass to cut the lines to do an inspection of the roller coaster or anything like that? No. We no. waited in line just like everyone oh, else. Yes. Yeah. All of our friends thought that going to the park with us meant that we got to jump the lines. And we were like, no, we would never do that. (laughs) Well, and honestly, at that point, everyone knew our dad. So if we did anything that was out of line, we'd get back to him immediately. A hundred percent. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the history of this park. Your your great grandfather started it. Could you what what inspired him to do that? Uh, just how how did the whole thing happen? Yeah. So um, our great-grandfather, Louis J. Cook, um, started Santa Claus Land in 1946 um, as a retirement project. He had um, been in the steel industry for years and years with his brothers and um, came to the town of Santa Claus and felt like, you know, there needed to be a place where kids could really meet Santa and interact with him. And actually, um, the park was started in 1946. Um, and during World War II, they had experimented with creating tin horns because they were really in that tin and steel industry. Mm. And all of the import, imports from um, Europe were obviously not happening that uh, during those years. So he got right. started on these tin horns and kind of got his first foray into the magic of Christmas. And so he, he kind of took that energy and uh, came to Santa Claus and realized that there wasn't much here and there wasn't a place to meet Santa himself. So he kind of dreamed of this place. And in 1946, it opened basically a gift shop or a toy shop called Toyland mm-hmm. um, with a really tiny kid's train. And of course, Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. Right. right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, obviously it's grown quite a bit since then. Can you talk about like the, the kind of milestones of how it grew and then I'd love to get into just, you know, uh, as you guys are running it, that sort of push and pull of preserving what's there because everyone loves it this way, but wanting to try new things. Um, but uh, but when when did it start to like become more of what it is today? 
So, um, you know, after the place was built in 1946, uh, it was actually a two-phase project. It was just going to be one extra piece that I believe was like a restaurant and a couple other things. And it, it kind of grew quickly. So um, I don't think my great-grandfather realized how popular the rides would be. So we had a, a big model train that came in um, quickly after. And um, in 1955, he added a bunch of um, smaller attractions, although he had been starting to add those. But um, we, we were really still a pretty small park until um, I would say um, late into the 70s. We started to add kind of some of those bigger attractions, like some of the Six Flags and all these other parks were starting to do at that point. Um, right. They were really adding the, the scramblers and the tilt-a-whirls and things like that. Um, but to me, the biggest milestone, the first big milestone is 1984. Um, we added Frightful Falls, which is a log flume ride mm. um, that, you know, now you can find at every park. But um, at that time, it was a pretty rare thing. And um, we we expanded the park. So it had been Santa Claus Land for years, and it grew to become Holiday World. And we changed the section to have a Christmas section and the 4th of July section mm. and the Halloween section. That's where Frightful Falls went. Ah. Uh, and after that, I think the the attendance started to grow a little more rapidly. And so you see, um, we add our rapids ride in 1990, and uh, we add our water park in 93, and we have our first wooden coaster, which we're known for wooden coasters now, um, in 95. And um, 2000, we did The Legend, another roller wooden roller coaster, um, and um, introduced free unlimited soft drinks. So that was a huge one. Oh, okay. Uh, from there, we did... That is not at all like Disney World, by the way. <laughs> no, not no. at all. No. Home of the like $27 small Coke, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I treat that like it's nothing now. <laughs> um, but yeah, we the, the free and limited soft drinks really put us on the map and got people talking about us, and that's, that's a huge one as well. Um, and then after that, we really started adding something big every year um, up until 2006 where when we added the Voyage Wooden Coaster that we were just talking about. Um, but you can kind of see that expansion. We actually doubled our annual attendance from the year we introduced free and limited soft drinks to the year that we um, introduced the Voyage Roller Coaster. So wow. we had some rapid growth at that point. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. How do you, so, you know, I never thought of it until as you're, you're talking but, you know, I'm a person who has gone to amusement parks. Uh, you never think about what the process of adding a new ride is like. Like, how do you <laughs> decide what it's going to be? Who builds it? How much does it cost? Like, what, what's, what's that all like? It's a crazy <laughs> experience. <laughs> I, yeah, as I'm saying it, it I'm like, a, wow, yeah. that must be a, a, not an easy It involves a little bit uh, of a crystal ball. Because <laughs> we have to make the decision, uh, I mean, two, three, four years in advance. Um, mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. we have to kind of narrow it down. You know, are we thinking water ride, dry park ride, coaster? And then we got to start narrowing down. There are several different manufacturers out there who make everything. Um, so sometimes we, you know, shop around because some of them are better th at this, some are better at that. Um, so, and we should mention that we go to an annual convention in Orlando, Florida, where all of these ride manufacturers are, um, each year. And we just kind of go around and talk to them and 
see what the newest things are. Um, Mm -hmm. And so they'll, they'll generally try to put the flashiest things in front of us and we get to decide, are we doing something big or are we doing something small? Right. right. (laughs) No, no, no. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the process as well. And I mean, cost wise, I mean, you can buy anything from like 500,000 to 30, 40, 50 million dollars. I mean, it it all just depends on what you're building and what kind of technology you're putting into it and how much you have to prep the site for it. I mean, Mm -hmm. anything and everything goes into it. So so I'm probably not going to put a roller coaster in my backyard anytime soon, but um... (laughs) probably not. It's, so, it's, a, it's an undertaking. So what do you, what do you kind of, ba- I mean, obviously if there's a new thing that's out that looks super cool, but like, what do you base it on? Is it like, all right, the lines for this ride are always huge. So what if we had another one like that? Is that kind of the calculus? Yeah. So there's a few different ways I'd say we do that. Um, so for example, um, our newest edition was Cheetah Chase, which was a dueling launched water coaster. Um, and we had two water coasters already that are top ranked, uh, wildebeest has been number one in the world, um, for as long as it's existed. Um, and mammoth has also been one of the top ranked ones. So we know, um, and as I said, those are where the lines typically are on any given, uh, hot Saturday. So that one kind of came out of, you know, we looked at our past attendance and we said, which years did we see the biggest spikes in attendance? And sure enough, it was, uh, each year that we've added a water coaster so far. Um, but sometimes it's a little bit more, um, I, I joke that it's like the Ford method, right? If I had asked people what they wanted, they would have asked for a faster horse. Right. Um, so sometimes yeah. we have just kind of our goals for the park and we know that we want to do something bigger. So we have like um, Thunderbird, we added a steel uh, launched wing coaster in 2015. And that was, we knew we wanted something, um, we were known for wooden coasters, but we wanted to add, a, add something new to the portfolio and something that was aggressively fun, but family friendly as well. So that right. there was a calculus in there of which type of coaster is the best for a family. We landed on that wing coaster and the launch was something because everybody else in the Midwest had a wing coaster already. We had to add something special to it. Right, right, right. <laughs> Um, well, so talk about predicting the future. Obviously, nobody predicted, uh, you know, what 2020 was going to bring us. How how did you guys sort of navigate that? And, uh, you know, where do you see things going? More coming up from our guests. But first, a word from our sponsor. Coming to the era of efficiency, Alibaba.com aims to help their users spend less and sell more. With better experiences, less time-consuming, more reliable services to obtain higher quality and variety of global sourcing, Alibaba.com makes global sourcing efficient and easy to use for any buyer, especially for SMBs. As a B2B global e-commerce platform, Alibaba.com provides a much easier, flexible, and efficient way for online retailers to source various products from global manufacturers and other types of suppliers. With supplies, fulfillment services, and easy-to-use experiences improving continuously, Alibaba.com has been ready to be the new source of business success for online retailers. For more details and info, please go check out Alibaba.com. And we're back. We were lucky that um, 
2020, we had some good connections to kind of Indiana state government. So early in the process, we just kind of reached out to them and just said, hey, don't forget about Holiday World and Splash and Safari. Uh, it takes us at least two months to kind of bring the park back up to life, but it takes mm -hmm. a lot of money to do that as well. So we just kind of got on there, uh, got started bugging them and just said, hey, just so you know, um, we, you know, if you're going to let us open this summer, we would love that. Um, here's our plan. We, we've been working on this for a while. We said, um, if there's any way you can give us a little heads up, though, because if mm. we're not going to be able to open at all, then we can save a lot of money by not preparing the park. Um, yeah. But if we're going to open, we, we need a little time. So luckily, the state um, gave us some good notice and um, we operated. We stuck to um, whatever the governor had. So when the mask mandate went into effect for Indiana, we followed suit. We went with that. Um, but we also had virtual lines so you could get in line on your phone. Uh, wait elsewhere in the park and then go get in line. Um, and that was a much shorter process then. So that way um, you weren't so close to people and we could yeah. really distance people out in the line. And it, um, is that something that, I mean, that sounds nice, <laughs> you know, like, is that something <laughs> you'll keep? Uh, we didn't end up keeping it this summer. So we're, we're a park that doesn't really have a fast pass. We can't work out old school in our model. Mm -hmm. So um everyone's the same. You all wait in the same line. So, right. um, at the end of the day, we found that the people who are coming to our park really want that kind of old school nostalgia yeah. feeling and getting out your cell phone as a part of the experience as a mandatory part of the experience just didn't fit who we are. Great. Great. Yeah. That's interesting. So, so, and, and uh, you know, building on that, uh, as you talk about adding new things and new features, but obviously there's this the nostalgia you spoke of. How do you guys balance that? Uh, what are we going to add new? But what is going to people are going to be upset because that thing is not there anymore? I mean, basically everything we do, we have this discussion. Because uh, uh, yeah. I mean, you know. Uh, just a few years ago, we redid a building that part of the building was original to the park in 1946. So, and we had lots of paintings and murals hanging in the building that were very old, um, not quite 1946 old, but very close to it. Um, so, you know, every step of the process was, okay, how do we modernize this to fit our needs, but how do we, you know, nod to the past? So, I mean, in this instance, we kept the murals. They're back in the building. We kept that. So that ha still has that feel. Um, and it, I mean, everything everything that we do, we always make sure there's some sort of nod to the past or some sort of, you know, we're bringing some sort of design element in from the past. I mean, everywhere you look, we are always yes. thinking about the past, but <laughs> right. also, you know, future in mind. I Yeah, Leah, do yeah. you have any like other examples? Because I mean, it's just... It's, well, and it's I so think, important for our generation too. Yeah. Like that's, that's our main focus. Yeah. Um, you know, I think you see a lot of parks that will um, kind of tear out rides and replace them pretty rapidly. And for us, that's, it's not just a consideration of operations or, you know, maintenance costs or things like that. There's also a kind of a heart element to it mm, for us. Yeah. So we, we know that our guests have been taking their kids on a certain ride for years and years. So for example, um, the, the kids train that I talked about that was there for like, right as we opened the park, um, in I think 2013, it finally broke down just, you know, 
we couldn't get parts for it anymore. We were trying to invent parts for it. Um, mm -hmm. And so it just became impossible to operate. And so we've replaced that with a, a new model train. Um, but we've put that up on display in the park as well, because we know that, you know, people, yeah, yeah. people came and rode with their parents and now their grandparents um, and they want to take those grandkids now. They, We know it's an important part of the story. So we always try to protect and preserve as much as we can. Yeah. Yeah. That That's great. Um, what is, is there any aspect of running an amusement park? I, I think some people would take a guess that they know what, what it might take to do it, but what, what are some things about running it that, you know, people might be surprised, uh, things that you have to consider that no one in a million years would ever think about? Ooh, let me think. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is just trash management. Mm. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, especially we have free unlimited soft drinks. So people got, uh, grab a few cups throughout the day and, uh, place them anywhere around the park. So first of all, we've been voted one of the cleanest parks in the world for years and years. Um, and you know, I know that when Lauren and I went worked here as kids, um, we lived in fear that someone would see us walk past a piece of trash and not pick it up. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> But that was, that's always been a part of our company culture. Um, but, you know, just taking trash, you know, those trash bins have to be replaced throughout the day. Yeah. Um, and some parks will drive a truck through or whatever. We don't allow any vehicles on, you know, in the property while guests are in there. So um, our people come through with their rolling carts and get it out in the afternoon and replace every trash bag in the park. Mm. Um, and um, another thing is our morning cleaning crew. So they come in, I think at like three or four in the morning and wow. start hosing down all the midways. There's a lot of soda that gets spilled. So yeah, wow. <laughs> there's a lot of, uh, cleaning that needs to be done before people come back in the park the next day. Wow. I would say um, another thing is that, uh, we don't have downtime. And despite the fact that we are a seasonal business, people assume that once we close for the season, we just go on a giant vacation until we open the next year. Yeah. That is not the case in the right, slightest. Right. I mean, the second we close, we are planning and strategizing for how we're going to operate the next season. I mean, every, every day is spent. Okay. How can we improve? How can we operate better? You know, I, yeah. there's no downtime. There's, there's, there's just no. crazy time and less crazy time. <laughs> Uh, when you mentioned the the garbage thing, uh, you reminded me again of uh, the one trip we took our kids to Disney World. Uh, my four year old got knocked over by someone pushing a big garbage bin. Oh no! Oh, <laughs> um, no. <laughs> and uh, you know the sort of Disney lawyers sort of parachuted out of nowhere to like, Are you okay? You okay? Everything's and, fine. You know, everything's yeah. okay. Everything's okay. And they asked us, oh, what can we do for you? And for before we could say anything, my four-year-old was like, I want a hot dog. So they uh, <laughs> gave us a free hot dog. There's the compensation. <laughs> like, right there. <laughs> we could have had fast passes. We could, uh, who knows? They could have given Mickey Mouse stuffed animal, come on. <laughs> the sky was the limit. You asked for a hot dog. <laughs> yeah. They did also give him some Mickey Mouse Crocs. So I guess that was nice. But, um, nice. Uh, but, but yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of, I mean, there's also like, I mean, we have, we're in the middle of nowhere, Indiana. We hire 2000 team members every year. Um, and so we actually have to bus people in from about an hour away to get oh, wow, yeah. just to, to work, to operate this place. It takes a lot of people. And is the season just, you know, based on the weather? 
a little bit based on the weather, a lot based on the school year as well. Um, oh, right. Just okay. kind of, we, we get a lot of um, 16 year olds and we, we try to hold on to them through as they go through college and stuff. But um, right. yeah, once, once their school year ends, we can open. And once their school year begins, we need to shut down and go back to weekends. And do you guys have um, uh, like mascots walking around that kind of thing there? Absolutely, we do. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's that's my field. But <laughs> yeah. a dog named Hollow Dog, and uh, a a crocodile named Safari Sam, as well as a black cat named Kitty Claws, and uh, an eagle named George the Eagle. Uh, so those are our four mascots. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, uh, and of course, uh, Santa normally is here. Well, this yes. year, he's virtual. Now, have you guys ever uh, donned these uh, costumes walking around the park? <laughs> I have not. Not not walking around. I have, I've tried them on and I have told every person who works for me, I, I admire and respect what you do, but I cannot personally do it. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot get in that suit. <laughs> I claim that I'm too tall for them. Uh, they have height limits. Uh, okay. I'm, sure. I'm with you can, right on the high end of them. <laughs> you can I'm fit in tall. at least one. You could pick uh, up. <laughs> uh, so what, when does and when does the season end? Uh, so we're weekends right now through the end of October. Normally we're weekends starting in May. Um, and we go to daily operations at the end of May and uh, run daily through the beginning of August. And All right, we do so, weekends to the end of October. So people should plan their trip to, to Santa Claus and check this out. <laughs> I, I would love to. It sounds awesome. I'd love to check it out. Coming we would time. love Let to have you. <laughs> Very good. But I won't get a fast pass though, right? No. Nah. No. Nah. <laughs> all right. All right. I'll, I'll try it anyway. Well, uh, <laughs> no, this sounds awesome. Uh, a re- really cool. I mean, obviously a very unique uh, business that you, that you are, are running and that your family's been doing for so long. And uh, just really fascinating to hear what goes on behind the scenes. Uh, really, really cool stuff. <laughs> Thanks. It's, a, it's quite the experience every yeah, day. Yeah. Every day. <laughs> I bet when oh, people who challenge. don't know what you do, when they find out what you do, you must get like a thousand questions. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone just whips out their uh, their podcasting recording equipment. They're like, wait, 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 wait. I got to talk to you. <laughs> Um, so, uh, <laughs> well, they, they typically get more hung up on the fact that we live in Santa Claus, Indiana. So. Well, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. <laughs> that is, yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, well, uh, it's been great talking to you. Uh, really, really fun learning about this. And again, uh, I'm glad you, you're, you're doing well and that there's, uh, new rides. I can't wait to hear about the new rides you got coming out in the, in the coming years. <laughs> There's always something in the works. Yeah, I bet. Was that, was oh, that yeah. A, uh, you trying to get us to reveal something? Well, you know, I, <laughs> you said uh, wait, you got to plan four years in advance. Is there anything? Yeah. Uh, let me do the math. <laughs> 2025, we should be uh, getting a line for now. You know, we're, we're just making it year to year right now. We're still, we're recovering and we're, we're happy to have the people we've had this year. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll take that. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, great talking to you. Thanks so much for your time and uh, talk again soon. Thank yes. you. Thank, All right. thank you for pleasure. having us. That's our episode, folks. Hope you enjoyed it. Get a Real Job comes out every Tuesday. So be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, 
or wherever you harvest your favorite podcasts. Leave us a review. Give us a share. Come and beg people. Go to entrepreneur.com for new episodes of this and to listen to our other great podcasts. Thanks. Thanks.